0: So I was born in the 70s. Any 70s children out there? A few of you? So if you were a child of the 70s, there were some things that were simply a reality. Things like you had to wait until Saturday morning for cartoons to come on, because like, that was the only, only time. If you grew up in the 70s, you were probably terrified by the water, because it was then that Steven Spielberg chose to re- release his film, Jaws. If you grew up in the 70s, you learn really quickly that you don't uh, put pop rocks and any carbonated beverage in your mouth at the same time because if you did, your face would explode. If you're a child of the 70s, you probably rocked out to the dead, Floyd or Zeppelin. Though I was born in the 70s, I actually remember the 80s. That's when I was kind of a kid. And as a kid in the 80s, I loved video games, loved playing. All the classic games. Now, in order to play a video game, I had to go physically to the Lockport Mall, to Aladdin's Castle, to a video arcade, and play arcade games. Pac-Man, Missile Command, Centipede. In the mid-80s, uh, I finally got my very first game console, an Atari 2600. Right? I thought it was so cool. Incredible. I loved it. And I was like, I was the destination house on our block until my next-door neighbor got the Nintendo with the robot. He was such a jerk. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> the world continues to grow in complexity. The world continues to grow technologically. Like in the late 60s, early 70s, like vinyl was replaced by cassette tapes. The first cassette tape I ever bought with my own money was Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen. Any fans of The Boss out there? I mean, just loved loved it. Uh, I learned to type in high school on a thing called a typewriter. And then I went to college. I upgraded to a word processor. All four years of college was, was done on that thing. Um, pretty crazy with the hard floppy disk in it. When I graduated from college in 1997, I got a graduation gift of my very first PC. And when I tried to log on to the internet, you heard this. Some of you remember dial-up. And then, the voice. You've got mail. Anybody have AOL? It almost seems archaic now, almost like a punishment. (laughs) Technology has brought with it incredible opportunity and occasionally some unintended and horrific consequences. I mean, technology has given us global access. I can talk to someone face-to-face in India. I can talk to my mom face-to-face in Michigan because of Zoom or FaceTime. It's incredible. But technology has also given us things like the dark web in which you can purchase anything from drugs to people. Google allows you to fact-check anything I say right now which I guess keeps me a bit more honest. Crazy conspiracy theories gain traction online. I read one this week on social media, a conspiracy theory that apparently some are believing. Uh, It's called Birds Aren't Real. Between 1950 and 2001, the government killed off all the birds and replaced them with surveillance drones. So... When you sit down to Thanksgiving this year, you're actually eating drone parts. It's incredible. So now you're probably thinking, what does any of this have to do with the book of Colossians? This weekend is our Share global weekend. Once a year, we take time to focus on what God is doing around the world through the work of Northbrook Church and the ministries and missionaries that we partner with. I was actually going to pause our Colossians series for a week and pick it up next week, but then when I came to Colossians chapter 2, which is our text for the week, and I think uh, that passage uh, clearly illuminates our theme. The theme of, of our missions department for the past several years has been God in the margins. We focus on those places that God is working, but that don't always get a lot of attention. As a church... It's our desire to reach beyond our doors, to reach beyond ourselves, to share both our time and our resources uh, with the world. So if you're a part of Northbrook Church, you really are in many ways a part of something bigger, a part of something global. One of the places that God truly is working right now is in the margins of technology. So the question we've wrestled with is how do we, how do I contextualize the message of the gospel? with the opportunities and challenges of the 21st century, using the tools that we currently have at our disposal. So that takes us now to the book of Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, reading through verse 5. The Apostle Paul writing, I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. Though we often refer to Colossians as a book, Colossians is actually a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a group of people, a church gathered in a city called Colossae. If you go on a map, Colossae would be in modern-day Turkey. When this letter was written, the Apostle Paul was under house arrest for preaching. Uh, He was quite literally held to a chain that was connected to a Roman guard, a great distance from all the people and churches that he ministered to. However, the Apostle Paul was not going to allow the limitations of his situation to displace the mission of his calling. That's why he writes in verse 5, Though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit. Having this deep desire to minister to people but not able to connect with them because of circumstance and distance, the Apostle Paul says, I'm present with you in spirit. And he's present with them in a couple of pretty unique ways. First, he writes that he's present with them in spirit through his prayers. In verse 1, he writes, I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not yet met me personally. The word contending would have been a reference that would have been known in his day. Contending was a reference to the Roman arena, the place of gladiatorial sport, If you've ever seen the movie Gladiator, then you're familiar with the Roman arena. It was the place of entertainment, but it was also a place of struggle and violence. It was the place where gladiators slayed one another, uh, animals. It was also the place where Christians were fed to wild animals dressed in skins. It was a horrible place, but it was uh, for sure a place of struggle. And so the Apostle Paul saying, I'm contending for you, much like those contend in the arena. It's a struggle that led to deep, earnest prayer. It was an intense struggle of the soul for the lives of people. The Apostle Paul spent much of his day contending, wrestling, and praying for the souls of others. Now, sometimes we say uh, that we are praying for one another uh, maybe you say to me, Mike, hey, I'm I'm praying for you. And sometimes I think, yeah, you're probably not, right? It's just something that we say because it's something that Christians say to each other. We just kind of say it like a greeting, almost. Like we don't know what else to say, so we say, hey, I'm praying for you. Like if I were to say, hey, my wife's in the hospital, you might say, Oh, that's too bad. I'm praying for you. And then five minutes later, you walk away and you totally forget that you even even said that, right? This is just part of our reality. Let's just all admit it, right? But sometimes there are those that say, I'm praying for you, and you like you know they are. You can almost feel that they're, that they're praying for you. When the Apostle Paul writes, I'm contending, I'm praying for you, he was saying, I truly am spending my day praying for you, wrestling for you with deep inner turmoil. I'm present with you in spirit through my prayers. The other way, that the Apostle Paul was present to these people was through the use of technology to advance the gospel. Because Paul was in prison, he had to think strategically. How do I get my message out? How do I encourage people? And so what he chose to do was to use the cutting-edge technology of his day. Paper and pen. Now, none of us think of paper and pen as technology at all we think of that as like archaic right we, we think that's like analog when, when you hear that someone still uses a paper calendar you're like what are you in the Stone Age are you a caveman what do you mean you write down things on paper but in the Apostle Paul's day paper and pen parchment and quill ink plume or whatever they used was like that was that was it that was like revolutionary that you could send a message via courier to people around the world or at least the known world today we have a new mission field it's a mission field that contains billions and billions of people we call it the internet the online world And lots of us spend lots of time there. A few years ago, a couple of the younger staff of our church, a couple of our younger pastors, had this vision for an online campus of Northbrook Church. They wanted to stream our worship services. And, you know, at first I was like, I don't know, I mean, that's something we really want to do. Little did I know what was coming. Well, by the time... The coronavirus thing hit, um, we'd already been online for two years, and we were able to, within 24 hours, completely put everything online. And when we did that, we already had in place ways to connect and communicate. We even had a method to measure, or at least somehow track, how many people were joining us. And we had a formula that we felt was realistic without blowing up the numbers. We could kind of track how many devices were actually logged on to our services, not those that kind of flipped through it, but who actually joined us, and we kind of did some math and research and realized that every device represented about 2.1 people, and so we kind of put it all together. So each week we measured it, and we were seeing well over 3,000 people every single week joining us online for a worship gathering. So when you logged into Northbrook, you were one of many, many thousands. Now, our Our goal for technology has never been so that we could be cool. Our goal for our technology has never been that we could be, like, trendy. But our goal has always been, from the very beginning, to align ourselves really with what the Apostle Paul writes in the words of Colossians chapter 2, that we may have as a goal encouragement of others in heart to unite in love so that others may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Listen, the same problems that existed 2,000 years ago in the days of the Apostle Paul, they still exist today. Problems like the, the issue of evil in the human heart. Problem of human suffering, both physically and psychologically. Problem of death. These are global problems that have existed for thousands and thousands of years, and I believe that the answer to these problems is Christ. Accepting his gift of redemption, a spiritual transformation that happens when my life is lived in him. See, when I choose to live my life like Christ, that begins to address some of the problem of the evil in the human heart. When I become interactive in my life with God, I have a very different take on human suffering. And when I submit myself to an inward transformation that has sweeping outward expressions, those things are eternal. And I don't have to fear death because I know where my eternity is headed towards. We have an extraordinary opportunity right now because of technology to reach those that because of distance or political climates or those that are simply too hard to get to physically. Like the Apostle Paul could not move around physically because of the walls of his containment, but he would not allow his words and his message to be confined. And so he prayed, but he also used the technology of his day. This weekend, I'm excited to have two Northbrook-supported missionaries who have entered the digital mission field. First, we have John. Uh, with the Jesus Film. And secondly, we have Melissa, who is a digital mission strategist with a large uh, mission organization that are doing some pretty cool things around the world. So can we welcome these guys uh, to Northbrook Church? <laughs> so John and Melissa are Northbrook-supported missionaries. And so John, we're going to start with you. And first, if you want to just tell us... What's going on here?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I'm extra safe during this pandemic. Um, you know, the, the nomads in the Sahara Desert have been wearing face masks for thousands of years, so we're all kind of catching up to them. Um, and it also helps. Uh, we travel to a lot of places uh, that, are, that are secure countries, and so the, the extra security today is helpful for me. So. so
0: in other words, you don't want us to see your face because we're streaming it.
1: Yeah, correct. True statement.
0: So it's you know it's robust. You're representing people and you're just protecting yourself. And I'm
1: protecting myself and people. Yeah.
0: So John, tell me like what uh, what happens with the team that you lead? What do you actually do? I mean, what happens when you leave a place?
1: Yeah. So the the team that my wife and I lead, uh, we travel. We're, we're, we're the international recording team. We travel to different countries around the world recording a film about the life of Jesus from English into new languages. So the Jesus film is basically the gospel of Luke put to film. And so when we get to a country, we record that film into new languages. We work with local people. And this is what our screen looks like as we're uh, on our computers. And as they speak the lines of their local language, we record them over the English. We lip sync them so it's not like some of those bad kung fu fighting films in the 80s, you know. And then once we're done, we're able to give it to local churches or missionaries or individuals to begin showing it. So I have a quick two-minute video that shows how a uh, people group in Ethiopia responded when they saw the Jesus film for the first time in their language. So check it out. I was just awestruck by the number of people that were present. Probably we would
0: guesstimate about 4,500 people who came to the premiere certainly much more than I had ever anticipated.
2: They were so focused, they hardly moved. Their eyes were just glued to the screen.
1: I thought, you know, God is really speaking to them. They're not watching a movie. They're having an experience with Jesus Christ. He's speaking to their hearts, and they're responding.
0: They were just moved. You could hear them
2: groaning when things would happen.
0: I just remember seeing some of the wailing and the children just sobbing and crying. It just took my breath away. I just realized that Jesus, the pain and the suffering that he did for us. It's just a little too much to bear. And to see the response
2: was truly
0: unbelievable.
2: To see that they they wasted no time initially. Once the first gentleman stepped out, it's as though they all came.
0: What is more of a blessing than seeing people come to the Lord? I
2: cannot think of anything better.
0: So I actually got to experience one of these Jesus film showings in Ghana. And kind of what you saw in the video is really their response to people that have never seen a movie in their language ever. And they're not just watching a film, but they're being moved by of the message of the gospel. So, how many languages has this film been translated into?
1: Yeah, we, we praise the Lord, the Jesus film. We are just about to cross the 1,900th language milestone. So, praise the Lord for that. We're, we're in the Guinness Book of World Records uh, for that, the most watched and most translated movie in history. And recently, Frozen uh, became number two at about 46 languages. So, they surpassed Lion King, which was around 25 to 40. So... Yeah.
0: So when these guys are traveling, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I, it's not like when, when they show this film, it really is a work of love because it's a little different than when we go see a film. Last Tuesday, I went, took my son to Five Dollar Tuesday at Marcus. We saw Kong versus Godzilla, and if not to spoil it, but basically King Kong and Godzilla fight, and that's basically it. <laughs> but we had our reclining seats. Uh, we had our popcorn, we ordered chicken tenders, and the lady brought it right to our seat. And when we were done, they cleaned up our mess. That That's not the case with you, right? And that's- yeah, a
1: little, little different experience.
0: So these guys are having to bring in all the equipment. So tell, what kind of equipment do you have to bring in?
1: Yeah, well, when our team travels, uh, we bring... Basically, all the necessary recording equipment, uh, to a a country. And, uh, you know, we work with the local people, as we mentioned. Uh, but due to our, due to the pandemic, we haven't been able to travel, as you know. And so, uh, the Jesus film as a whole has been, has had to make a lot of transitions. So actually, we've been doing a lot of satellite broadcasts of the Jesus film through TV, through YouTube and whatnot. And so we've actually seen in, in 2020, we saw three times as many people viewing the Jesus film on TV than in 2019. And, um, which is a real, a real praise to the Lord. In fact, in Easter weekend alone in 2020, we saw more viewings of the Jesus film through TV around the world than in all of 2019 before. And that doesn't count our YouTube channel, which uh, was viewed in over 228 countries. And so it kind of reminds me, just like in Colossians, uh, in Philippians, Paul says that he can't be with them due to his quarantine, if you will, uh, because he was in prison. But he, uh, he says that this has been for the greater progress of the gospel. And so we're seeing that too. Now, my team itself... Uh, we've done a variety of things due to the fact that we can't travel. But one thing we're doing right now is we're getting ready. There's over 100 languages of the Jesus film that uh, are ready to be recorded. Uh, and so when ch- country restrictions open and we can travel again, uh, we're, we're ready to go. So.
0: so as a Northbrook-supported missionary, how can we as a church kind of be involved and come alongside you?
1: Yeah, well, definitely want to say thank you. You know, you. You make these things possible, like that showing of the Jesus film right there. You help make that possible, so thank you for that. Uh, yeah, the the Gamal people in Ethiopia—you may not know them, but in heaven, you may say, "Hey, uh, you went to Northbrook, didn't you?" I'm like, uh, yeah. Well, hey, two missionaries came to my land. They recorded the film into my language. I watched it, and that's why I'm here in heaven today. So thank you. So there'll be people thanking you in heaven and I want to thank you now. And, and in addition to that, you know, we have a, an app, uh, for the Jesus film. So you can download that on any phone. It's free and you have access to all 1,900 languages of the film as well as all of our other films. And so a great way, you know, you can download those. It's all free. And so if you are, for example, at a restaurant and you notice the waiter uh, speaks a different language or maybe has an accent, You can ask them, hey, uh where are you from? And they say, Oh, I am from Ghana. Oh, what language do you speak? Uh well, I speak a particular language. Say, hey, you know, I think I have a film in your language. They're like, no. Like, yeah. You know, you go on our uh on our app, or you can even use our website, Jesusfilm.org, and you can play a clip of that, and they'll be like, wait, no way. And so they'll be they'll be definitely asking to get uh access to it and you can share it right then and then uh, one other small way you know if you're down in Orlando you want to see good old M-I-C-K-E-Y M-O-U-S-E with your kids with your grandkids come on down to our headquarters take a half day it's a great tour you know it's going to be opening probably summer or fall this year I think you'll be really blessed if you come down so
0: awesome thanks John yeah we also have Melissa who is a digital strategist with a really large mission organization so so, Melissa, like, what uh, what are you involved with and how do you see it kind of moving the gospel around the world?
2: Yeah, so I've been working with this organization for a while and a ministry for a while. But in the last few years, we started to really pay attention to the fact that for the first time in history, most people around the world have one of these right in their pocket. And so for the first time ever, we had the ability to cross borders without going anywhere. We could actually um, put the gospel in people's hands on their phone, in their own language, in contextualized ways. So this just came out, this statistic, I think it's pretty amazing to see out of the 7.8 billion people in the world, over 5.2 billion of those people have a phone with internet access in their hands. And so this is just a really unprecedented opportunity. So I work with a global team, and we kind of help set strategy and direction for our for our ministry. Um, and try to figure out ways to keep engaging with people online. So in this past 365 days, we've had over 200 million people touch one of our digital properties, so like our websites, our apps, um, you know, even things like the, the YouTube channel that, that John mentioned. And so our, our, our biggest thing is, so how do we turn that from just a view to helping them take a next step towards Jesus, whether that's to come to know him or to grow in their faith or, or be sent out. So that's what we're working on.
0: That's pretty awesome. So I, so if you could just like tell us some stories that would take that from like theory to yeah. practice.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes the internet's like, what is that? Um, well even, I'll, I'll jump off of what John shared. So. You know, a lot of ministries, especially in Africa, were showing the Jesus film on TV. So you might be wondering well, what happens next. People saw it on TV. They're in their homes with their families probably. So what then? So one of the things that some of our strategists tried, especially around Easter of last year, was at the end of the showing, they put up a phone number at the end, um, or a Facebook group. So the phone number connected them into a WhatsApp group, which is just a simple free texting app that a lot of people around the world use. And so it was like a way to follow up. If people were interested, they could text in and say, I want to take a next step. And so from there, they've been able to really form some Bible study groups, some church plants. You know, if these people are living in cities and there's there's pastors and missionaries around, they're able to connect them. So trying to you know bridge those gaps, but just seeing incredible things. Who would think that people come to Christ and churches are launched from showing a film on TV? So exciting things like that. Um, another really exciting thing happening currently is we have a few teams in the Arabic-speaking world. And um, between the pandemic and just kind of normally, they really struggle to find people. People are willing to talk. They're friendly. But they're just not interested ever in hearing more about Jesus uh, because of their, their religious background. So they decided to switch to kind of an online strategy, putting out... Facebook ads to find curious people that were seeking Jesus. Um, And so part of what they did is they realized they had a lot of people that were interested, but they also had a lot of people that were very much not interested and were there to fight and argue and, um, you know, didn't necessarily want to hear about Jesus. So in order to kind of deal with that, they decided to create a little chat bot. And so probably many of you have experienced this if you've gone On a website, you know, I I just did this the other day trying to set up an oil change. You know, it pops up, like, how can we help you today? And it's a little chat bubble. So they did this as a way to, um, the people that were coming just to fight, they could kind of intercept them and redirect them back out of the system to something else. And so it was just automating that part of the process. So the people that were left were the ones that were spiritually open. And so they've been able to have just thousands of faith conversations online through chat which is a safe way for people to explore Jesus, anyways. So, we're seeing incredible things. One, one woman said to me, you know, before we could never find anyone interested. Now people are literally messaging me saying, please tell me about Jesus. So, just in an unprecedented opportunity. Um, one more story I can share. I keep switching up my stories a little bit, but it's fun. So, uh, one of my colleagues, Mel, he lives in Manila in the Philippines he and some friends decided to start a Facebook community and a podcast a few years ago. It's all about relationships and dating. And so it started out kind of like as a funny humor thing. Like their tone is, they're your older brother, like... They care about you, want what's best for you, but they're also not afraid to tell you that you're being dumb. And so there's lots of like snarky comments and funny memes that they use, but it really surfaces these deeper conversations. And so they've been doing, they've been plugging away, posting content every day for five years. Um, but they've grown this community to there's about two million people that are part of their Facebook group that tune in. And not only that, um, they have their podcast on Spotify. So probably many of you have heard of this. It's a a music streaming app. Spotify themselves, nothing to do with us, they just put up a giant billboard in Manila advertising this podcast because it's the number one podcast in all of the Philippines. It's called Boiling Water, so you could probably find it yourself. It's not in English, though. But yeah, so they've had to recruit thousands of church members to help them because they're getting so many messages each day of people struggling with relationships or, you know, all kinds of life questions just to talk with, talk with them. And so, um, this kind of consistent, you know, funny dating group has turned into this just incredibly fruitful, fruitful thing. So that's
0: awesome. Yeah. So where do you, like, where do you see all this going? Like, how do you see technology utilized in the future?
2: Yeah, I think it's really just going to be a big part of our future in the ministry. It's hard to deny the fruit, and, um, you know, I am sure I'm like many of you, I long to be more back in person. I have teammates I haven't seen in over a year and a half, and I really can't wait to see them. So there's, you know, obviously we're so called to gather as the body of Christ, but I just think there's going to be this unprecedented opportunity to continue to go in these spaces where um, it's just hard to access in person. And we're going to have to keep learning. That's the thing I keep telling myself. These these platforms keep changing. Just as soon as we figure out one way to use Facebook ads, Facebook totally changes it. And then we have to relearn a totally different workaround. Or, you know, we finally got the hang of Instagram and now all the younger people use TikTok. And so we're like, okay, we got to figure out this TikTok thing. Um, I'm sure in a few years there'll be things we've never even thought of that will be on on the scene. But it's just a great way say to be where people are at. That's that's what we keep thinking yeah. to go where they are. So
0: that's awesome. Yeah, tick TikTok right now is the number one argument in my house <laughs> every day. <laughs> so Melissa, how can we how can we pray for you?
2: Yeah, can thanks you for asking and thanks so much for the partnership that you all are to me. Um our our biggest thing is right now, just opportunity is it's way more than we can handle. (laughs) We're having to constantly reevaluate and shift people and what people are working on. So we just really want to be good stewards of what God has for us and, and honestly good stewards of this audience that's already coming to us online. It's, you know, it's painful if you people coming and we're not equipped to respond to them. So we just need prayers for wisdom as we continue to plan and adapt and, And do whatever God has for us. So I'd really appreciate prayers for that. It's been a crazy year in a good way. How
0: about you, John? What can we pray for you?
1: Yeah, thanks for asking. I think for my team as we hope to begin traveling soon, it's a delicate balance to walk in the reality of the situation, but also walking by faith and trusting the Lord. I don't always know how that works. uh, But my continued prayer for our team is, uh, if you've ever heard of the missionary Hudson Taylor and his missionary journeys to China, you know, he, he had to take a six-month uh, boat ride just to get to China, face death multiple times just on the journey, let alone all that was waiting before him in China. And so as I think about that... I, my prayer for our team and for myself has been that we would live lives of radical surrender to Jesus Christ, fueled by a radical love for Christ that is fostered and sustained by a radical Sabbath lifestyle. So that's my prayer for myself, for my team. Yeah.
0: Well, we're going to pray for you guys uh, right now. Uh, Northbrook, if you feel comfortable, I just want to invite you to maybe to extend your hand to these guys. It's one of the ways we as kind of followers of Christ say I'm praying with you praying for you if you feel comfortable join me in that but we want to pray that god will lead you in all that you're doing so lord thank you for these two that are doing such great work in this digital place and um lord so many opportunities before them i pray you would give melissa and her team wisdom as they hear from you as they discern new ways to reach those that are living so much of their life online and i pray for for john and his team that they would surrender themselves to you as they um as they give their life to this work that is reaching people that cannot read, that is making the gospel come alive to so many people. And so I pray for your blessing on both of them in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. 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 Thank you. Let's
0: thank these guys for uh, for coming. So as we wrap up, I'm going to, I'm gonna stay seated for a minute. I, I about gave the camera people a panic attack yesterday doing this, but I'm gonna I'm actually gonna to move to this chair so they don't yell at me today. Um, whenever I have to, you know, whenever I have a conversation with someone that I think is important, I'll always say, "Hey, can you sit down for a second?" And so I want us to all sit down for a second together because I, I believe personally, like as as a a father, as a husband, as a pastor, um, and as someone who deeply cares about this church, I care about the gospel, um, and I think we're in the greatest communication shift, maybe since the Gutenberg printing press, uh, and we now can fulfill the mission of Jesus to go into all the world and make disciples with the click of a button. So the question I want us to all wrestle with personally is, I like, guess, followers of Christ, how am I using technology? The Apostle Paul used technology to encourage, to unite in heart and mind and in love. That's what he writes about in the book of Colossians. So I wonder, as I'm using technology, am I simply using technology just to entertain myself, to, to waste time? Am I using technology simply to win an argument or to prove to someone that I think I'm right? Am I using technology to force my opinion on others without consequence? It's really easy to hide behind our computer screen than have an actual conversation with a human being. Or can we commit to being a church, a group of followers of Christ that make the same commitment the Apostle Paul made that we may encourage through our online activity in heart and mind and love so that those may be filled with the riches of Christ through our own online activity. And so that 's my prayer. Uh, the worship team is going to is going to come back and lead us in a final song, but I want us to pray uh, together that God would not only continue to use our missionaries to reach those that gather online but God would also use us as followers of christ and so lord we are we 're so thankful uh, for you we 're so thankful that we can come alongside the work that you're doing around the world, but we're also thankful we can come alongside you and the work that you're doing in digital places. Places where people are seeking, where people are hungry, where people are asking hard questions. May we be salt and light to all that we meet in person or online. May we have hearts of compassion and grace May we speak truth and love. But my desire is that we would be people that would represent you well in all that we do and all that we say. Amen. Amen.